sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. To win, you need a plan. We're the home of sports gaming strategies and information. To give you the winning edge, you're listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. This will do it. This will do it. Scott Drew's dream comes true. Coach Drew and Baylor complete college basketball. From Sin City. Vegas, baby, Vegas! It's Vegas Sportsbook Radio with Brian Blessing. All right, folks, here we go. Vegas Sportsbook Radio, Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshot. Glad to be with you on the Sports Grid Radio Network and Sirius Channel 204. Well, there was a basketball game last night. Well, or something akin to a basketball game. And the funny thing is, yeah, I think when it comes down to intangibles, it is what it is. I'd be very interested interested to see what would happen if Gonzaga played Baylor on Friday. Because I think, Stevie, the intangible aspect, it could have gone either way. I think the the letdown, we did talk about it yesterday, that conceivably it could be a big letdown spot, massive letdown spot, maybe the biggest letdown spot of the year in college basketball. Or there was survival mode and Gonzaga took it and ran with it in the momentum. Clearly, not to take anything away from Baylor, Gonzaga was asleep at the switch. The NCAA tournament is a guard-driven deal. And Baylor's three guards were electric. So hats off to Baylor. Congratulations. I think the circumstances kind of got the best of Gonzaga. I, 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 unfortunately, I was working last night. I didn't get, I didn't get to see it. But, Brian, I, I told you, that, that this stuff happens in these kinds of games. People underestimate how good the underdog is. And, and and things don't go like you think they're going to go. And it leads well, it leads to dogs and unders. No, I know. And it's not every time. No, I know. I mean, well, but Houston was no ham sandwich. And no one under, underestimated Houston. Baylor stepped on their neck. I, I just, I really believe that was not representative of what Gonzaga has brought to the table all year long. Now, I mean, they were walking in, into a buzzsaw. But that was a horrible call on Suggs really early in the game. I mean, that was a block, and they called a charge, and then they went to the other end of the court, and he's got to know better, and he did a stupid reaching foul, and three, four minutes into the game, Suggs is out, and they're getting pitchforked at the same time. So it was a perfect storm of a calamity for Gonzaga. They made a run. But Baylor showed their true colors. They didn't panic, and they just kept doing what had been working for them. So I was just going to ask you that. Did, did either team at any time look like the pressure of the moment w- was getting to them to some degree? I didn't think that was the case at all. I mean, when you, 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 know, you had talked about oh, the nerves. At the, Baylor was the, the last thing 
was nerves. I mean, they were shooting lights out. And Gonzaga runs their offense so beautifully that they get to the rim. So, no, there were points of plenty. There, it was not nerves. I think, I think Gonzaga was flat. It was, it was, it would be, again, it would be so interesting to me to see that game played again in a week away from the UCLA game and, and that sort of thing. But that's, that is part of the equation, though, when you're in the tournament and then having 48 hours to prepare for the next opponent and deal with whatever happened in the first game. It's all part of the puzzle. But, I mean, <laughs> Baylor is not 16 points better than Gonzaga. Uh, no, correct. Um, in the UFC, they call it an adrenaline dump. When, when, when you get into the, the big match and you've been gearing up for it, and now all of a sudden you're in the ring with the guy and the adrenaline just comes completely out of you and you are flat. And do, do you think that's anything like what happened to Gonzaga after the UCLA game last night? There's no week? doubt. Okay. No, no, that was it. I mean, uh, literally, I mean, you know, I mean, these two teams, I think, play a hard-fought close game. Uh, I think if Gonzaga's got their head screwed on right, you know, it'd be one of those things. I think they I think they win by seven, eight, nine points. I, but I'm not I'm not going to discount what Baylor did. That would be a disservice to them. They played their game. They played it flawlessly. Gonzaga looked unlike anything they have looked like at any point during the season. It was just if you think about it. I mean, you make a half court shot to win in overtime. If you're a guy named Drew and you're coaching in the NCAA tournament, pretty good track record. How about the job he did? And uh, that program's all the way back. So hats off to them, though, right? They got through it. The hockey, and we'll get to that, that's a slippery slope with the, the COVID situation. So other than the sad, really sad for the kids from VCU who couldn't play their game with Oregon, this was a wonderful tournament. I think they did an incredible job getting through it. And hats off to those kids because I think all the teams, even the ones that didn't make the tournament, all the things that those kids went through this year. You know, it's a, it's a lot different, Stevie, when, you know, you got a boatload of zeros after your check yeah, yeah, yeah. to go through this stuff. And these kids remained hardworking, diligent, schooled the whole nine yards. And they got through. So hats off to all of them, collectively. It, no, no, no. It, it's still the same, though, because it's interesting. I heard the same thing from the college kids in Indianapolis that I have heard from pro athletes in their travels during the pandemic. You know, you're in your hotel room by yourself or you're at practice, and that's it. And it's really hard to be in your hotel room by yourself. They're kids. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, hey, hats off. Baylor is the national champ. It's Masters Week. we got a lot of good stuff. Our buddy Vinny Maliulo is joining us next on Vegas Sportsbook Radio. We invite you to be right here. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. These days, it's hard to find something you can trust. Your car? Yeah, right. Trust takes time. And that's why we're here. 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. We are your trusted source for gaming, odds, and more. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Vegas Sportsbook Radio with Brian Blessing on Sports Grid Radio. Sirius XM Channel 204. 
Our folks, we're back with you here. It is Vegas Sportsbook Radio. Brian Blessing and Stevie Slapshot. Coming to you from Las Vegas. Glad to be with you on the Sports Grid Radio Network, Series Channel 204. And this is a great day. Our buddy Tony Neville from Treasure Island will come in studio with us in the second hour. But we love Tuesdays because our pal Vinny Maliolo is kind enough to join us. It's funny, Vin, uh, we're going to get into the basketball game. But hoops ends, baseball just starts. It's like, okay, you don't even get to catch your breath. It's on to the next thing. But that's the nature of the beast. It's what we signed up for and it's what we love. Well, it's a great time of year, Brian. First of all, uh, always good to be with with you and and Stevie and 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 the listeners. Uh, Tony Neville, you mentioned, uh, good man, and uh, always uh, want to hear his perspectives as well. So, uh, you know, this time of year, which was even I think a bit more unique, uh, Brian, with yesterday's schedule. Right, typically. We we have the, the the NCAA title game is is of itself right. The yep. NBA usually has off. Uh, other sports, you know, there's baseball during the day, uh, and uh, of course a, a smaller hockey schedule. But when I think we, we with seven NBA games yesterday, and the matchup that everybody wanted to see, uh, a great a good hockey lineup as well, and plenty of baseball. Uh, all indications are that the handle on yesterday's game was as good as any we've seen in the past, right? I mean, we're, you know, things are coming back. Thankfully, uh, visitation was up here in town. Participation by locals was uh, really p- probably better than it's ever been, particularly with more people having the mobile apps uh, and things like that. So when you put all those factors together, uh, the handle yesterday uh, and the, the betting action did not disappoint and really made for uh, for a great day, and you know, for the most part, I think better. The game was pretty much a bit of a wash. I think better's got the, the best of it in, in in many cases. Actually, game closed under, so uh, uh, dog and under was the correlation. And uh, you tip your cap to the to the folks out there. And, and now, what they're doing, they're cashing tickets and betting uh, betting the Masters, which, <laughs> as as we know, and we've talked about for a long time, Brian is the number one bet golf event of the year. So uh, looking forward to another another great weekend with uh, highlighted by the, the big event, which is the Masters. Yeah, and I want to dive into the Masters with you here in a little bit, but just to put a lid on, on the college hoops, Vinny, you know, listen, to, not to discount what Baylor did, I was saying to Stevie in the first segment, you know, it's a the tournament is really guard-driven, and they had three great guards, and they made a great run. They were a one-seed. They did so many wonderful things. I think Gonzaga actually, you know, fell victim to the massive letdown spot that you thought they could have gone the other way. Hey, they survived. Let's close this thing out. The weight of the expectations and the pressure. A lot it just it was a perfect storm of just an awful situation as it turned out for Gonzaga, which does not take away from what Baylor did. But I said to Stevie, I'd love to see them play this game next Friday and see how it goes down. Well, if yeah, if you if you ever wanted a you know best of five uh, in college hoops or best of seven, whatever you want, you know, like an NBA format, this would have been the the matchup that that you'd want to see, right? Uh, yeah, I thought it, there was no shock that Baylor won the game, and I think a, a, where they had an advantage was probably their 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 regular season schedule. Right, a much tougher conference schedule than Gonzaga had. Although Gonzaga did what they had to do during the uh, during during the course of the tournament, and they answered a lot of detractors. Uh, in, in you know, overcoming UCLA, people say, "Well, they got lucky to beat them." Well, UCLA, not taking anything away from them, 
they played a great game. I mean, they shot 59% from the field and had 10 turnovers. And if you're a coach, whether you're Mick Cronin or any other coach, if, if, if somebody walked up to you and said, listen, we're going to shoot 59% from the field and only have 10 turnovers this game, you're going to, the first thing you're going to say is, where's the pen? I'm going to sign immediately, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, they overcame that uh, in a great game. But they went up against a, a terrific team. Uh, you know, guard the, the guard play was good, but everything was good about it. Their offensive rebounding, I think, was the story. I mean, I know they made 10 threes yesterday, uh, the Bears, but the reality is their second-chance points, their dominance on the glass, particularly on the offensive uh, glass, I think was uh, was was a, a major story within this game. And uh, you, Gonzaga had a terrific year. Uh, again, it was the matchup everybody wanted to see, but Baylor... Uh, don't forget, I mean, you know, when you've got to go up against, you know, uh, West Virginia twice, you got to go to Morgantown. They had to play Kansas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State this year. Yeah, you know, there were some bottom feeders there. Iowa State was, was awful this year. Kansas State uh, was not not particularly good, uh, you know, TCU. But the fact of the matter is uh, they had a uh, a much more challenging conference schedule. And I think when you have that, and plus their style of play, which was very perimeter-driven, as, as we mentioned, which is a, a sign of the times today, uh, then I think it, you put that all together, uh, and their defense was outstanding. So they, uh, they deserved to win. They were the better team. But, sure, I'd love to, I'd love to see them. If from, a, from a business standpoint, yeah. <laughs> I wish they were playing today. <laughs> Vinny, as you mentioned, uh, normally it's a standalone game, and that wasn't the case this year, although the NBA tried to get out of the way. A lot of the games went early. But yep, they were early. Wondering- uh-huh. Were, were, were there any props that you guys had tying the NCAA game to hockey or baseball or, uh, or the NBA games or maybe uh, to the Masters coming up? No, yeah, good question, Stevie. No, didn't have to. Had, uh, had games, props on the games themselves, but you didn't have to because of the cross-sport parlays that people wanted to play. You know, you had people, if they were on Gonzaga, they put Gonzaga on the money line with uh, – with the, with the Suns yesterday, right? What were the Suns? Fourteen dollar favorites. They were huge favorites in the game. So you had you had the you know kind of the bridge jumpers, right? I mean, there was one ticket. Jimmy Vaccaro brought in the, the Vsin studio yesterday out at the South Point. Uh, got put uh, five thousand and went three thousand on uh, Gonzaga uh, money line to uh, uh, Phoenix Suns money line. I was like, wow, look at this. This is an interesting. So you really didn't have to uh, have. Uh, a bunch of uh, cross-board props. People created them themselves. All right, Vin. The, uh, <clears throat> no, go ahead. <laughs> Wait, you, you all right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 have a you okay, Stevie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually did. Sorry, Stevie. I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> hey, we'll get to the Masters in the next segment, Vin, but um, the COVID thing in hockey – we're looking at it with the Nats. Everybody, I mean, this is still an ongoing process in terms of getting these games in. So let's enjoy every day and keep hoping for the best. Yeah, which is, look, um, you know, football uh, obviously got through it, uh, as did the NCAA tournaments on both the men's and the women's side. Uh, I think, look, you know, hockey's dealing with it. Baseball's already dealing with it. I mean, hockey's, you know, two-thirds of the way done. Uh, and there's going to have to be some makeup games, which we've seen already. Uh, baseball's going to have to do the same thing. I think you're going to see a lot. I guess you know between weather and uh, and and the COVID situation, you're going to be a lot more seven inning uh, double headers, right? Uh, in, in baseball, as uh, as the season progresses, so I'm uh, going to have to make up these games. I mean, the Mets 
and the Nats, that those games are going to be they're going to be important down the road. So figuring out when they're going to make those up uh, is is going to be is going to be uh, interesting. You'll see a lot of double headers the latter part of the season uh, between the Mets and the Nationals in Washington. And Ben, let's hey, let's tell the folks if you're coming in from out of town, you want to check out where the locals go. We love our friends at Oasis, forty nine fifty five South Decatur. The food is great. The kitchen's open twenty four seven. They got an incredible banquet room if you're looking to come into town and stage an event, or if you're doing a fantasy draft. It's a great place, and it, you you make new friends over there in the great gaming promotions. We love our friends at Oasis. I'm sure they were hooting and hollering last night for the game. Oh, busy, busy. Great, uh, great turnout last night. Probably happy to see everybody. We'll be there tonight. Masters, uh, Masters draft oh uh, tonight at uh, in the in the banquet room. Yeah. So if you uh, you know uh, locals and uh, and visitors alike, close right off the strip. You know you're uh, five minutes off of uh, off of Las Vegas Boulevard on Decatur, just south of Tropicana. So uh, good time. John Gone, uh, you, you'll see him there too, uh, as well. Oh boy! Well, well, That's well, right, holding court in one of the booths. bringing out the shooters. We're going to talk about the <laughs> Masters. That's coming up next, right here on Vegas Sportsbook Radio. Keep it right. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. One of our dear favorites. Hey, you know, uh, Stevie, during the break, I know we do the hockey show, uh, Vegas Hockey Hotline locally, uh, and that's coming up today at 1 o'clock Pacific time. And we do a show with Cam Stewart on Saturday night at midnight on Sirius 204 called Light the Lamp. So on the hockey front, it's a very sad anniversary today. The Humboldt Broncos kid, the, that was so, such a sad deal. Uh, the junior kids the, in, on the, uh, the bus accident, just mm. such a sad thing. They're gone, but they're not forgotten. And, and we just want to make, mention that. And we were talking about that during the commercial break. And then that's a sad one, but we always want to remember those kids. But Vinny, you had a real... A positive memory of an anniversary on this date, and it's a big one. And you happened to be there, April sixth, nineteen eighty-seven. Marvin Hagler. Now may he rest in peace. Speaking of sad notes, recently passed away. Uh, and Sugar Ray Leonard uh, outside at Caesar's Palace. Uh, what what a what a memorable evening that was. And uh, if you remember, that was the fight that. Uh, Marvin Hagler did not fight after that fight. It was a close uh, decision. Uh, Ray Leonard, <laughs> his strategy was to, uh, to to dance and move and engage Marvin Hagler uh, for the last uh, 20 to 30 seconds of every fight, and uh, he wound up pulling it off in a, in a huge upset at Caesars Palace in one of the uh, one of legendary events at that storied property outside I can only imagine, Vinny. I mean... I'm... I mean, I remember watching it. All the fans remember watching it. The, the up and down, and you know, the, the vicious shots that were thrown, and the swings of momentum, and where everybody was at pay-per-view events. You know, people yep. going bananas. What could it have been like there? Well, you know, those fights not only really electrified the property uh, at Caesar's Palace, but they really energized the entire city. I mean, and, and Las Vegas was the, the center of, of the sports world uh, for, for those events. I mean, again, they were 
Uh, most of them were outside, although there were some terrific and memorable ones inside the Caesars Pavilion and uh, uh, were also uh, legendary as well. But uh, I have Parachute to tell you, the, <laughs> well, that was that was outside. That was uh, Bo and Ho- one of the Bo Holyfield fights. Uh, uh, I, I was there for that as well. That was uh, some memorable. <laughs> I mean, there were notice, just. When did you notice him coming in? Uh, right before he landed, because I happened to be opposite. I was in the corner opposite. He came in through the side of the ropes, but I was on the opposite side, and I could see him. And our good friend Lou D'Amico. Yes. And uh, and we were sitting. Uh, we were sitting side by side, and uh, it, it, the fighters were were engaged, and th- beyond them, you you saw the fan man approach him, and and Lou and I both at the same side. Uh, same time said, "Look at this, man! Look at what the hell's going on here, you know." And uh, by the way, the, the fan man took a, the worst beating of, a, of either fighter that night uh, uh, when, he, when he did land. And that that episode, that that episode uh, probably saved uh, Riddick. But Riddick Bo came back to win that. Fight. He was in, he was losing that fight. Unbelievable. And, um, uh, but getting back to, to Hagler Leonard. so many great memories. I mean, uh, that was uh, a very exciting eve. And, and I'll tell you what one of, the, one of the most vivid memories about that was. So the, when the fight ended, we, uh, we would re-show, because we, had, we were the on-site property, uh, and I, we re-showed, we replayed the fight uh, in, the, in the book at Caesars at the time on the, uh, on the, on the big screens and throughout the property. It was as though it was live. And there were, I mean, there had to be, you know, close to, I don't know, three to 5,000 people inside watching it, just as though it was live watching because we rebroadcast. It was while we were paying it out. It was unbelievable. It was a, it was a great event. It, Controversial as it was, it was very exciting. But, I mean, you talk about the definition of the, the remarkable thing when you think back to that, like, when it, like punching yourself out, right? I mean, they like, Hagler looked unbelievable, and then all of a sudden, he became a mannequin, like instantly. <laughs> but it wasn't like he was hurt. It was just right, no, Leonard was, was a, no, a great boxer. Leonard would would he he, he you know he would stick and move and, uh, and 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 for again for two and a half minutes in the last thirty seconds he would engage uh, Marvin Hagler if he was in trouble. Uh, Ray would uh, you know would tie him up, and that's you know a lot of in a lot of people's minds he. Uh, they, you know, they, he stole the fight, but he did what he felt that was his strategy, and uh, he certainly influenced the judges. He fought a good fight, but I, I personally thought Marvin Hagler won the fight. A lot of people did, but it was uh, it was Marvin Hagler's last fight, and uh, uh, that was uh, 1987, April 6th. Well, t- you know what I mean? I want to get. I'm going to ask you about the Masters, but it's just it's funny. It's nice when we have an event now or a, a boxing event. But there's so few and far between, Vin. I mean, you think of that era, the No Moss, Hagler, Hearns, the heavyweight division. Boy, oh boy. Oh, yeah. You, you wish the resurgence could really kick in. Yeah. And boxing well, needs characters, right? There's no characters mm-hmm. anymore. Well, UFC's done a terrific job uh, in yeah. you know the last uh, uh, 20 years for sure. But, uh, you know, the thing about, you know, there, there was a time when, let's say, the middleweights or light to middleweights, uh, you know, welterweights were were good, and, and maybe the the heavyweights weren't, or vice versa. But at that particular time, back in the eighties, uh, this you know from the uh, the seventies through the through the eighties, uh, 
and into the into the mid '90s, you know, when you had De La Hoya, Chavez, and that thing, there, there was just a it was a great era. Uh, the events were terrific, and again, they the energy and the action transcended the the entire city, and that that's what really made them special events. That's and that goes to show you, you know, when you think about those events, and I want to say that Holmes Cooney was the the largest crowd. I want to say there was probably close to. 30,000, if I remember, because wow. they built the arena for that one uh, out towards the Flamingo Road side uh, uh, of, of the property at that time. And again, let's remember, these were temporary arenas. They would be erected and then taken apart. Uh, this particular one we're talking about, Marvin Hagler and Ray Leonard, was adjacent to the tennis courts out, out at Caesars. And of course, the, in, uh, the indoor pavilion was the training center. That's where the fighters sparred, and that's uh, that's where they did a, a lot of their training uh, for the uh, couple of weeks, 10 days leading up to the bout. So, I mean, the, 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 the press conferences were major events. The weigh-ins were major events, and uh, all the major sports networks and all the networks in general, both nationally and internationally, were positioned around the property. It was uh, it was uh, it was a great. That's actually where you know this is the fight where where Veasan. Uh, I want to say that Veasan uh, really had some roots because I went to uh, Lou D'Amico at that time and said, "Listen, with all this attention, this would be a great time to have a a sports betting show emanating right here from mm-hmm. from the property from the book." And Louie loved the idea, and him and I went and uh, we pitched it. And, uh, of course, it took 35 years for it to take uh, take hold. <laughs> and uh, Michael Gaughan got it, uh, the Mossbergers got it, and uh, here we are in uh, t- 2021 uh, at the South well, Point. You just look how mainstream this stuff is, and it's amazing. Yeah. Hey, Vin, let me get your take. I've got a couple of minutes, though. The Masters, the numbers have been up. I think it's going to be really compelling because I think, let's see, if the rain becomes impactful, maybe a couple of days of rain in the forecast, they get the great sub-air system. But they do not want Dustin Johnson shooting 20 under par. I think these greens are going to be so fast and firm. It's a spring masters. Watch out. There's going to be a lot of yeah. a handful of guys are going to play great. There's going to be some carnage out there on the greens. Yeah, and you know, Brian, here's the thing, too. Uh, remember, because we just had the Masters, right, in November uh, because of the COVID situation. But that's not going to take away from the betting interest at all. It's still going to be, um, you know, bet very heavily. We just don't have as long to book this particular one. But I'll tell you what, you know what, we had uh, the Masters in November. Gladly take it here uh, at its regular position time in, in April. Uh, I agree with you. I think that, that they would prefer to see uh, fast greens. Look, we've already got, uh, you know, we've had the field up um, since the Masters uh, was played in November. Uh, so, uh, you know, Jordan Spieth has now become the favorite at 8-1. to one. They were betting him about at, that? it was a 60-1 to one back uh, right before Thanksgiving. And, uh, of course, he's been playing well, and he won last week uh, in, uh, in San Antonio. So he's now the 8-1 uh, to to one favorite. I don't think. What what's that? I would I would think they're liable to Spieth now. With the people started pumping him just when he, he started yeah. contending. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a yeah. it's a steamroll now. So you know you you got him, but you still got you know you're going to get the Dustin Johnson. You're going to get a lot of John Rom play and, and and things like that. Folks will pay attention to you know one of the trends obviously is because the Masters always played here. The you know it's a it's a course for the for particular horses, right? Especially if somebody's had some success in the past. Well, yeah, by the way, Spieth has. We know that. Uh, overall matchups are already up. There'll be daily matchups, adjusted future prices, proposition bets, 
uh, on the Masters. And again, it's it's always been extremely extremely popular with the betters, and it's becoming more so uh, because of all the publicity that it gets. So uh, I think we're not going to be disappointed in, in the handle, even though we haven't had as long to book it by any means. Vinny Maliulo is one of the best-dressed guys on a daily basis in Las Vegas. <laughs> could, could you rock a green jacket? Could you oh, make that buddy. work? Yeah, I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, for half. Yeah, as long as long as they, as long as they, you know, I know. Look, I know this. I I could put that green jacket on, and I know what what's it's par seventy two, right? Yeah. Well, if they made it a par, if they made it a par one forty four, I could definitely do it. Listen, if it was putt putt, you'd have a big shot. I've seen. Oh, it, but tremendous. I've seen you hit the ball. <laughs> Hey, Vinny, thank you, buddy. We're up against the break. All right, guys. Great follow. Love you, bud. Thank you. Enjoy the week. Coming right back to Vegas. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Adam Burke, our pal from ATS.io. Uh, let's check in with our buddy Adam. Baseball's rocking and rolling, but we're drooling for the Masters, Adam. I can't wait. Yeah, man, I'm excited about it. I'm very excited, too. I got Willie Nelson as the uh, bumper music for my segment. I appreciate that a lot. You like that? Put a request in. Chris Pavona, he'll hook you up, man. He's got you covered. Willie's birthday coming up, by the way. Was he 111? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I saw Willie Nelson in concert. In fact, I went with my wife and Mike Robotech. I used to do the hockey shows uh, in Buffalo, and he is hilarious. And Willie, now he had one song where it, it was like a song; it wouldn't end. It, it, it was it was the country version of Inagata De Vida. And Robotech, yeah, sing it again, Willie. It's like it was this thing. You were looking at our watch during the song. Will the circle be unbroken? That was a long one that he used oh to. He used to drag that out. No, I think it was. I think he added 11 verses to On the Road Again. Okay. Something like that. Hey, the Masters, Adam, it's a monster. The speed's taking a truckload of dough down to 8-1 to one in some properties. The favorite, Dustin Johnson, 9-1. to one. Uh, We talked about it on your podcast at ATS.io. You look at the favorites, the Shambo, Rom, Justin Thomas, McElroy's maybe a bit of an overlay. His form's not great. But the bottom line is the big guns are taking a lot of money but we talked about it's a horse for the course kind of thing, too. A lot of repeat winners at this joint. Yeah, you know, certainly I, I can't blame anybody that wants to bet on an elite-level player at Augusta National. I mean, you know, you look at the guys who have won, and you get the rare, you know, Danny Willits, Trevor Immelman's of the world, but you generally get guys that are really, really good players, very balanced, uh, guys that are good ball strikers but also good putters. It's it's tough to go too far down the board here in this one, but I will say, I mean, look, credit to Spieth for winning last week in Texas, and obviously he's playing very well, and, and we talked about him a little bit on last week's show. I, I don't think I could bet a guy like Jordan Spieth at a price he was last week in Texas in a field that's got DJ and Rom and Thomas and, you know, all those guys in that, uh, you know, 10 to 20 to 1 price range. There's no way I could touch Spieth at that number. But, well, no, not at the number. That being said, I don't think he's coming in here without a chance because the way he puts and when his game is in form, he plays really well here. Yeah, the price is ridiculous. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. And and that's the thing. You know, you talk about guys that are in good current form and also the course form guys, like you mentioned. And, you know, there's a certain kind of player that, you know, generally tends to fare very well at Augusta. And, and we talked about that on my show this morning. But, you know, the guys that hit the draw, the guys that, you know, can put it close to the hole on these tough, lightning-fast greens. So there's, you know, a certain kind of player I think you want to look at here from a skills standpoint. But also you and I talked about the mental side of playing well at Augusta, too. I want to take a look at Spieth on 12. First day, you know, first round on 12. Just oh, to see. It's gone. It's yeah, gone. I, I just, I want to see it. I want to, see, I want to make sure that it's gone. And then, and then maybe I'll look at him in round two, three, four. A lot better guys than jo- uh, Jordan Spieth have hit it into Race Creek. That's fine. I just, it's gone. I, I want to make sure it's gone. I'm not sure it's gone. Don't worry about it. You know what? It's gone. Don't tell me what to worry about. I'm telling you, you're worrying about the wrong thing. No. Don't worry about Thursday. It's Sunday. The pin will be on the left front on Thursday. Uh, it'll be in the middle on Friday. And it'll be more back left on Friday or Saturday. So he might have trouble on in round four. Well, sun, huh. Sunday. But it's not an issue. Uh, well, the, the, the issue is the shot on Sunday and the circumstance. It's... Molinari, Kepka, uh, Finau, Finau, uh, guys better than them have hit it into into Bray's Creek. I want to I want to see him overcome it, Adam. Then the, the, the there's two guys I'm looking at. You, you talked about you know the, the front runners, Justin Thomas. For some reason, I've got a feel about him in this Masters, and then I and several people are on this guy, so I don't know. But Patrick Reed, I just because of the number, and I and I think he'll play well. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of guys. I mean, Justin Thomas is a guy who's played better actually each of his five starts here. He's finished higher in, in each successive year. So maybe this is the year that he's kind of looking at it. But Patrick Reed, I mean, a guy that just plays well here, you know, has the right shot shape, has the right mentality. You know, a lot of guys kind of stare down that Sunday leaderboard and kind of shrink in the moment. But Reed's not a guy who does that, especially here at, at Augusta. So I think Reed, for the price point, I mean, he's kind of – He's not as much of a standout statistically as some of the other guys with the small prices, but Reed is a guy that you know has had a lot of success here, and I don't think that's accurately represented in the betting market with that 35 to one price. Well, in not only the fact that he has a green jacket to his credit, he went to Augusta State, you know, and led them to an NCAA title there. So, I, you know, and he's got the demeanor. It's like anything, though. It's gonna who's gonna step up and answer the bell at the right moment. But as we talked about it from a betting strategy perspective, Adam, if you're in love with DeChambeau, I mean, if DeChambeau hits it a mile and his wedge play and his putting are good, you know, he's played well. He played well here as an amateur. Last year he had all the weight of expectations, but it was a fall thing, and the fall thing was different. This is going to be such a different animal. You watch how fast and firm these greens are. Now the rain could be the equalizer, with rain in the forecast on Friday and Saturday. But it's going to be a very interesting dynamic just to see how gnarly they put the pins in snarky positions. They're not going on Sunday. You know Sunday they're going to give them the traditional pins, which produces the roars. And oh, by the way, it's not going to be a packed house, but there'll be fans there. And it is the Masters when there are roars. And even with a smaller crowd, you'll know what those roars mean. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like we talked about on on the segment that you did with me this morning, 
the, all the skills in the world are great, but you know when it comes to Augusta National, when it comes to the weekend, you know Saturday, a lot of tough pin pl- placements as you mentioned. Course will kind of separate the actual contenders from the pretenders. You got to be mentally tough on that day, and then of course if you're in one of the final groups on Sunday, you know I mean playing Amen Corner, you know coming down 16, 17, and 18. Who has the mental acuity and the wherewithal to get through that type of thing? And that's why it would be really difficult for me to take a guy here at Augusta National that hasn't won a big tournament before. It doesn't have to be the Masters, but a U.S. Open, the Open Championship, you know, the Tour Championship, one of the FedEx Cup playoff events, something like that where there's a lot on the line. And that guy steps up, rises to the moment. You know, I need somebody like that on Sunday at Augusta National. Otherwise, I won't bet on him. You know, when they say, you know, in the majors or the U.S. Open, let's say, uh, the high rough and the fast greens, every aspect of your game is challenged. You know, the majors are really incredible when you think about it. Every blue moon, I think we get a PGA championship where you might have like a, a wild shootout where you get the Sunday with, you know, 10 guys in there having at it. But it is remarkable that even in the Masters, we're the clumped leaderboard, but then you get to the end of the third round in most majors, but the Masters always too. You're going, oh my gosh, it's going to be an unbelievable Sunday. But they whittle it down, and the course really does put these guys to the test that only four or five of them really have all facets of their game working, and they do separate themselves from the, th- the herd. It's crazy how that happens every tournament. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I think when you look at a tournament such as this specifically, I think it's hard to adjust on the fly simply because, you know, of of the nature of the course, the nature of the field, and just because, you know, some guys maybe can't make adjustments that work out at Augusta. And so that's why you get, you know, the same guys that tend to play well here, the same guys that maybe play well on those very challenging U.S. Open layouts where, yeah, it's a different course every year, but we know the greens are going to be like putting on concrete. Everything's just going to roll and roll and roll. And some guys adjust better than that because they can, and other guys just simply can't adjust to it. So I think that that's something where you talk about in-tournament wagering all the time, and, and that's, I think, a really good idea for those that are able to watch these golf tournaments, do know how these courses may play over the weekend, and just to you know sort of see things before you decide to dive in. Hey, at ATS.io, I've got a Masters video, and we'll be doing a props video for you here that will be up uh, on your site. So we'll, we'll get a lot more for you on the Masters. But I did want to get a couple of minutes, Adam. You do such great work on baseball. We're just out of the gate in the Major League Baseball season. Anything you've picked up very early on, small sample sizes, but anything you've picked up to apply in the short term here. Well, one of the things that I really do a lot with my baseball handicapping is I've looked at contact quality over the last few years. I've looked at exit velocity against, hard hit percentage against, which is percentage of batted balls hit at least 95 miles per hour. I'm looking for guys that are able to stay off the barrel, guys that have good command, don't give up the doubles and the home runs and all of that. Well, this year so far, the baseball is playing a little bit softer. So there's higher exit velocity, but not as much carry. So the problem for me so far is that a lot of teams are making a lot of hard contact, including teams that really didn't last season. So I'm having a tough time adjusting to that early on in the year, kind of seeing how all of this plays out with a baseball that 
is a little bit jumpier, but also not carrying over the fence as much. So, you know, defense playing a big factor, all kinds of things like that. So I, it's it's been a tough start to the season for me and something that I continue to work at tirelessly. I, this is a hard one to answer in 35, 40 seconds, but might teams set up differently defensively because of the baseball or way too early to tell? I think it's a possibility, especially you know in terms of more shifting on the infield and, and even some outfield shifting being done as well. So that's something I would very much keep an eye on, especially teams that are really bad defensively, kind of trying to uh, you know sort of mitigate their shortcomings there by being a little bit more aggressive with how they line up. He's Adam Burke, ATS.io, great friend of the program. Tell him about all the good stuff you got offering. Yeah, you can check out my daily picks article over at ATS.io. We got a lot of great content over there. The ATS app is a really good product as well. But, uh, you know, doing the show Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, baseball podcast called The Betters Box, Monday, Thursday. And then you and I chat every Tuesday. Cool. And check that out. I always have great fun with it. And you're going to boomerang back and join us again on Thursday. But thank you for jumping in. We'll talk to you later in the week. Absolutely, guys. Take care. Adam Burke, our good friend from ATS.io. Brian Blessing. Follow me on Twitter, Brian Blessing. Follow my pal Stevie at Stevie Slapshot. And we're going to get you the injury news and notes. Big one, potentially, in baseball that Stevie will have that information for. It is coming your way next. We invite you to keep it right here. It is Vegas Sportsbook Radio, Series Channel 204, Sportsbook Radio. Downtown, I'm just looking SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. With you, Vegas Sportsbook Radio, Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshot, Tony Neville from Treasure Island, going to join us in hour number two. Let's take care of some injuries, as always. Brought to you by our friends at Uzu CBD Plus, YUZUCBDPlus.com, featuring gummies, delicious chocolates, capsules, and lotions. Take pain management into your own hands the natural way. Promo code is BLESSING, 10% off your first order. Free shipping orders of $100 or more. What have you, sir? We'll start with Major League Baseball, Brian. In San Diego, Fernando Tatis took a big swing in the game last night against the Giants and went down like a sack of potatoes. Injured in He's had shoulder problems before. He's getting an MRI today. Uh, if that MRI reveals that he needs surgery, he'll be out for the year. Can you imagine? No, I can't. It, it looked it looked very – I've seen guys take swings like that before, Brian, and, and be perfectly fine. It's, it's just that he's got that shoulder uh, issue. Also, uh, last night for the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger. My leg, my leg, my leg, my leg, my leg, my leg. He's day-to-day. He left the game last night. He could play today, day-to-day. Uh, we'll move to NHL where Kerry Price last night injured himself. Uh, lower body injury, looked ah. maybe like a back injury to me. He will not travel to ah. Toronto for the game on Wednesday. He's out Wednesday. Mm. In the NBA, James Harden for Brooklyn. He's got that hamstring. And it's unclear now how long Harden will be out of the lineup. Steve Nash did say they're going to be cautious with him, so expect him to miss a few games. On the better side for Brooklyn, uh, Kevin Durant with his hamstring is close 
Maybe he'll be back tomorrow against New Orleans. And finally for the Lakers, Andre Drummond with that toe. Yes, the toenail came off, Brian. Oh, stop. He couldn't put a shoe on yesterday. I want him off that He's officially questionable tonight. I don't think he plays. Short break. Coming back to Vegas. Don't you go anywhere.